Food bloggers, hi, how are you today? Thank you so much for tuning in to the Eat Blog Talk podcast. This is the place for food bloggers to get information and inspiration to accelerate your blog's growth and ultimately help you to achieve your freedom, whether that's financial, personal, or professional. I'm Megan Porta, and I've been a food blogger for over 12 years. I understand how isolating food blogging can be at times. I'm on a mission to motivate, inspire, and most importantly, let each and every food blogger, including you, know that you are heard and supported. Today's topic is a hot one. Most food bloggers are looking for that monetization or to increase their monetization. I have Brooke Harmer with me from Kapai Cooking, and she talks about seven ways to monetize your food blog before you reach that 50K page view mark. This is episode number 379. You're going to absolutely love all of the tips that she shares. This episode is sponsored by the amazing Rank IQ. Hey, awesome food bloggers. Before we dig into this episode, I have a really quick favor to ask you. Go to your favorite podcast player, go to eBlog Talk, scroll down to the bottom where you see the ratings and review section. Leave eBlog Talk a five-star rating if you love this podcast and leave a great review. This will only benefit this podcast. It adds value. And I so very much appreciate your efforts with this. Thank you so much for doing this. Okay, now on to the episode. I have Brooke Harmer with me today. She's going to talk to us about seven ways to monetize your food blog before hitting that 50K page view mark. Brooke launched her food blog in March 2020 because she knew she could work from home and still be a full-time mom. However, after her son was born, she struggled to keep up with the demands of the job and constantly felt discouraged that despite her best efforts, she still hadn't hit that 50K monthly page view mark. Instead of focusing on what she didn't have, she honed in on the time and talents that she did have and began to monetize her business in other creative ways, even while raising her six-month-old son by herself for a time. She has since self-published two cookbooks, landed five-figure brand deals, and hired her first employee. Brooke, that is all so amazing. Can't wait to dig into that a little bit more, but what fun fact do you have to share with us? So this one's a little bit obscure, but I would try to think of something that no one's ever said before. My fun fact is that I keep a running list of emergency karaoke songs on my phone. <laughs> Are you a frequent karaoke I'm not, but I've had one time when I was on a cruise where my friends begged me to do karaoke and I was so terrified that I was going to sound horrible and that I was going to pick a bad song. And so ever since that time, I was like, I will always be prepared if someone calls me on the spot to do karaoke. So I've got like 10 songs on my phone that I feel confident singing if someone needed me to do karaoke. Okay. So what are top two? Oh boy. Top two. I'd probably say If I Ain't Got You by Alicia Keys or When I Was Your Man by Bruno Mars. Oh, ones I would not have thought of, but yeah, you're prepared. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Got this. So one day we'll do karaoke together. Oh my God. I'm the worst singer. I probably shouldn't ever offer that, but yeah, if we're ever together, I suppose we have to do it now. (laughs) Hey, strength in numbers, right? We'll both sound right. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I love your topic because a lot of food bloggers listening are in this boat where they're trying to get to that 50K page view mark to get into an ad network and they want money in the meantime. So you've got seven ways to monetize before you can get to that point. But first, Brooke, I would love it if you just talked through your story. I know that you got a degree in marketing and turned into an entrepreneur and then, you know, some other things followed. So can you just talk through that to kind of set the stage for us? 
Yeah, for sure. So like most food bloggers that I've talked to anyway, my food blog started out as a hobby. At the time I was in my last semester of prereqs before applying to one of the most prestigious business programs in the country. And I was extremely overworked and really anxious. I was going to therapy. It was just a really stressful time. And so my husband very lovingly sat me down and said, okay, I love you, but something needs to change. (laughs) Either you need to cut a few things out of your schedule or carve out some time for a hobby, something that doesn't have any responsibilities or grades or money attached to it, something that just makes you happy and takes some stress off your plate. So I decided to create a little food Instagram account that maybe 50 of my friends and family would follow where I could just post whenever I wanted and, you know, it would just be random dinners that I made up on the fly. Well, then three really big events all happened at the same time that really pushed that hobby into a full-time food blog. The first one was COVID. I started my Instagram account in January, 2020, and the world shut down two months later. Mm -hmm. So that was part of it. The second one was my husband and I felt very, very strongly. We just felt really impressed that there was a little baby waiting to join our family. And that decision was about two years ahead of schedule. (laughs) (laughs) We'd been married for less than a year and didn't want to start having kids until I was done with school, but I was just about to apply to my program. And so I still had two years left and I was not interested in being a full-time student and a full-time mom at the same time. That just sounded way too hard. (laughs) So we're like, okay, well, if we do want to have a baby, then what am I going to do with school? And what am I going to do with my career if I don't graduate from college? And then the third one, the third event was I had stumbled upon a masterclass from Sarah, the founder of Photography School. And she taught nine ways to make money as a food photographer and a food blogger. And I was like, people make money doing what I'm doing for free. That's crazy. That is so cool. And so with all of these things kind of happening at the same time and trying to figure out what was best for our family, we decided that I was actually going to drop out of college and turn my food blog into a business and pursue it full time so that we could have our family. It was really scary. (laughs) Well, you flash forward 18 months. I just had my baby and I've made less than a thousand dollars. And my blog has like a hundred page views a month on the time I was on Squarespace. Don't ever do that. If you're oh listening, gosh, I did it too. I did it too. I'm with you. I'm, I actually recognize your name from the Square, Squarespace Facebook group. Now that I think about it. Oh my gosh, really? Oh, that's were you in there? I, you were in there, right? I, you know, I probably was, I needed help. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I probably was, but so I was on Squarespace and I was under the impression that if you just made as many recipes as possible in the shortest amount of time that that's how you would grow. You know, who knew about SEO or keyword research or optimizing your back end or whatever. So 18 months in, I just had my first baby and I was nowhere closer to my goal than I was before. And I was really frustrated and almost felt like quitting, but I loved it too much to quit. And so I was like, okay, well, something needs to change. So when I finally figured out that there's this thing called SEO and keyword research and all these other things that you have to do, I was like, okay, well, that's great. But now I don't have the time to do that because I have a newborn who eats around the clock (laughs) and I was really overwhelmed. And so I had to make a mindset shift and I had to 
focus on what I did know and what I could do with the time that I had. And once I figured out what that was, that's actually when I saw the most progress and actually started making money when I had the least amount of time to do it. I love your story. I love how those three things just came together at the perfect time to create this opportunity for you and how you can look back and see that that happened. And you're not, you weren't just blinded by like, oh my gosh, these catastrophic events happened. Not all of them catastrophic, but you know what I mean? Like COVID and (laughs) like these things came together to create the storm. Instead, you see it as like a culmination of opportunity, which I think is awesome. And it just shows that you have the right mindset for this business because it does require a positive, optimistic mindset at times. And then your mental shift. Talk about talk more about that because a lot of us can get caught up in the like, I have so far to go. I'm never going to get there. But once you started looking at the things that were working and focusing on those, that's when things change, right? Yeah. So I evaluated what I, what was important to me for those first 18 months. And, you know, I was always focusing on, okay, how many hours did I work this week? How many recipes did I test? It was always numbers, numbers, numbers. And that was stressing me out, especially now that I had way less time, way less resources. I was like, how can I even hit all these numbers when I don't have all this time? And so I took a step back and I said, okay, well, numbers are obviously important and that's a really easy way to measure progress. But maybe right now what I need to do is focus more on the qualitative parts of my business rather than the quantitative and try and establish a groundwork and a framework that's built on habits that can be measured qualitatively so that once I get those figured out, then I can start focusing on the numbers. So my mindset, instead of being like, how many hours a week did I work? It was, did I work on my business today? You know, something as simple as, did I listen to a podcast? Did I, you know, do a part of my online course? Did I practice my photography? Did I test a recipe? Did I do keyword research? It wasn't how much, it was just, did I do it? Mm. And that made it so much more approachable. And it made me feel like, okay, like if all I did today was listen to a podcast while I nursed my baby and washed the dishes, then I did something to help me move forward. And it just made all the difference. Yeah, because the opposite is focusing on that gap that is lack, right? That you're not achieving, that you're not getting, that you can't reach, that you're not reaching yet. And I feel like all that does is create this storm of frustration and disappointment and discouragement. But when you're focusing on what you've done, even if it's just the simple act of listening to a podcast, then that sets this like magic momentum going, which it sounds like you tapped into pretty quickly after that. Yeah. Yeah. It really helped me. Once I got those habits in place, you know, it wasn't like, okay, I have to send three emails a week. It was, I will send out an email every time I get a recipe published. Even if that's just once this month, I will make sure to send out an email if that recipe is published. And once I got those habits in place, then I could turn to these seven different ways to make money before I hit that magic 50,000 page views because I had now built a new foundation of principles and habits that were sustainable even with my new crazy busy schedule. And it freed up some mental space for me to focus on numbers, right? Because if it's a habit, you don't have to think about it. So once those habits are set in stone, then you have all of this mental energy to actually focus on the numbers that will help you move faster. 
You are speaking my language, Brooke. I love this so much. I think this is like the foundation of success, no matter what your goals are in food blogging, whether it is to monetize or if it's something else. You've got to get those habits and just your mindset right before you work on anything if you want to have a sustainable business that you're not stressing over. So you are, yes, this is right up my alley. I love this. So are you ready to talk about your seven ways to monetize prior to getting those 50K page views? Yes, let's jump into it. All right, what's number one? So number one is the easiest on the list. And I actually organized these from easiest to hardest. Easiest being least amount of experience, least amount of time, lowest barrier to entry, things like that. So the first tip, is affiliate marketing. And there's a couple different ways that you can go about it. But the reason affiliate marketing is so great is because we're already having to buy things for our business, right? Whether it's our favorite chocolate chips or an instant pot or a turntable to decorate our cakes, whatever it is, there's so many different things that we have to buy to make our recipes possible. And it makes it so much easier to organically incorporate that into the copy in our blog post or the recipe card or our email list because people are going to be making the recipes that we make. So we might as well tell them what we needed to make it. And then it's a really simple sale from there. So some of the programs that I love are the Amazon affiliate program. I honestly don't know anybody that doesn't shop on Amazon. Yeah. Do you, Megan? Oh, uh, too often. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So everyone's on Amazon. So that's a really simple one. And I, I haven't d- done it in a long time, but I don't think that there's like a lot of credentials, you know, for social media or page views or things like that to become an affiliate. Mm-hmm. So that one's pretty simple. Another one is like it to know it. You're probably familiar with that in more of the fashion industry where, you know, fashion influencers will link their entire outfit on like it to know it and you can shop there. But for food bloggers, you know, we shop at Target, we shop at Crate and Barrel and Home Goods and all these other places that aren't Amazon. And like it to know it is a simple way to still earn affiliate commission off of those purchases. And then lastly is being an affiliate for your favorite brands or companies or services. So for example, I'm an affiliate with Photography School, the course that taught me everything about food photography and being a blogger. So for anyone who's listening, if you're interested in taking your photography to the next level or learning how to do amazing reels and TikToks on social media or pitching to brands. Sarah does it all. And you can use my code COPI for 15% off her entire website. So that's an example of being an affiliate with a brand and trying to make sales that way. I love this point that you made it the easiest one because like Amazon affiliate, you don't earn a ton of commission unless you have a ton of page views typically, but at least it's something, at least you're getting something in. And I think that's your whole message is that get a little bit of cash into your business so that you see those positive numbers, even if it's just $10, $100, $500, whatever. So that gives you the motivation to keep going and striving for other ways to make money, right? Exactly. And it also builds trust with your audience, right? Because if you're not being, you know, too salesy about it, then people are like, oh, if this is what Megan uses to make her recipes, then it must be worthwhile. So, you know, if I want my recipes to turn out like Megan's, then maybe it's worth investing. Yeah. It increases your EAT too, because if you're focusing on those products and services that 
really align with you and what you believe in and what your niche is, then that is only going to, yeah, boost all of that good stuff. Exactly. Okay. Love that one. What is number two? Number two is email marketing. And while this one doesn't necessarily make you money right away, I've heard it from so many different places that if there's one way you want to make money as a business, no matter what your niche is, it's to have an email list because it's the one thing that you do own, right? We don't own our Instagram followers. We don't own our TikTok followers. We don't even own our Pinterest traffic, right? So by creating an email list, you are getting a very specific group of people that are dedicated to your brand because they said, yes, I will allow you into my inbox. That's a very like special place, right? We don't let anybody get our email. So you're technically 50% of the way there already just by getting their email. And then it's that much easier to make sales on affiliate links or any digital products that you sell, or maybe you have a cookbook that's being published by you know, by Barnes & Noble or whatever. And it's an easy way to drive sales that way because they're already invested in your business to begin with. This is one that I feel like food bloggers discount for a while when they get started. They, I did this when I started. I was like, how important can that be getting subscribers? And if I could go back, I would do that differently because those subscribers are like gold because like you said, it's like a really special intimate way to communicate with people. So yeah, just don't discount the power of that. Yes. And don't quote me on this, but I have heard a couple birds tweeting here and there in our space that some brands are thinking about pulling their marketing dollars from social media and investing it in sponsored email Ah. work. So don't quote me on if it doesn't happen, but I've heard it a couple (laughs) different places and you know, I'd rather be ahead of the game than not. So if that's the case, then email list is going to be a new thing in the coming years. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if that happened at all. Okay. What is number three, Brooke? So number three, number four actually kind of go together. It's sponsored work and freelance work. They both require you to partner with a brand, but there's a couple key differences. Sponsored work, you basically do everything from start to finish. So like, let's say if it's for a recipe, you create the recipe, you test the recipe, you photograph the recipe, you have to do the keyword research and write the blog post, send all the images over, publish the blog post, and then you also have to do all of the marketing. So the Pinterest, the Instagram, the TikTok, whatever it is in your package. And while that is a lot more work, it's also a lot more money and you can turn it long-term if the brand really likes working with you. So this is a really great way to make a decent chunk of change in one go and also, you know, continue with that affiliate and building trust with your audience and saying, this is a brand that I really, really love. And I love them so much that I'm working with them to create recipes for you. So it increases that EAT that we talked about, and it's a significant chunk of change in your pocket. So it's not my favorite because of all of the work that goes into it, but it is a good way to do it. Yeah, especially if you want cash fast, right, in your business. I mm-hmm. think it's a great option. Are you ready to learn, grow, and build relationships in person in 2023? Eat Blog Talk is hosting a 2023 spring retreat for food bloggers. This is super exciting. In-person retreats are an opportunity for food bloggers to convene in an intimate setting to learn, collaborate, and connect. 
These retreats involve mastermind-style peer-to-peer collaborating, and they are such a powerful way to grow your business, expand your network of peers, and make lasting friendships. Apply to attend the Spring 2023 retreat. Go to eblogtalk.com forward slash retreat to fill out the application. I hope to see you there. Now back to the episode. And then with freelance work, strategy number four, this one is kind of the same thing where you partner with a brand, but you basically are only doing one aspect of that whole project. And the nice thing is that depending on what your skills are, you get to choose what that thing is. So for me, it's photography. That's my favorite part. That's what I'm really good at. And so I'll partner with brands and just photograph things for them, whether it's a recipe they've created or a product that they have. And I just do the photo shoot and send the images over and I'm done. And while it doesn't necessarily make as much money as sponsored work, because there's less work involved, at least for me, I can knock out three or four photo shoots in one day. And so I feel like I can get more done in a shorter amount of time. And it's what I love doing. So I prefer freelance work, but that's kind of the difference between the two. But they sometimes have kind of the same payout depending on your package. Also, freelance work could mean doing work for other bloggers, correct? Like photography you could do for blogger, videography, etc. Yeah. And, you know, you've had guests on here that do, you know, freelance copywriting or freelance SEO work or just recipe development. You could just be the genius behind the food and then send it back to the brand and they have other people that work on that or the food blogger, right? The food blogger loves photography, but maybe they're not great in the kitchen, but they have an idea of what they want to do. So they hire you to bring that idea to life and then they get to finish it off with the photography and the blog post. And bloggers are a great way because we all need help, right? We all have similar Mm -hmm. goals, but you know, Megan, I'm sure that there's some part of Pip and Evie that you don't truly love doing all the time, right? Yes. (laughs) Yeah. And it's so it would be super nice to hire that out. And then for someone else, that's cash flow for them to help support their business. I currently hire out photography. I haven't always done that, but I'm in a season where I'm not making the time for it. And then I have a VA work on things like web stories, Pinterest idea pins, things like that. So those are good options. I was going to say too, like web stories right now, You guys have no idea how many people reach out to me on a weekly basis asking, who can do web stories for me? I don't want to do these, but I know I need to do them. So if anyone listening is into web stories and you want to make money, let me know because I have so many people who will knock down your door. (laughs) Yes. Add me to that list. (laughs) I don't have the time to do it. I am telling you, and I feel bad because I'm always like, I don't know who to send you to. And and then I'll send them to someone for a while and then they're full. And then I'm like, I don't know. So yeah, I definitely need more connections for people who are willing to do that aspect of food blogging. Yes. And for anybody listening, I would love to be your photographer. (laughs) I'll do some free advertising here. If you need a photographer, you can reach out to me. I would love to see if we're a good fit. Yeah. And sometimes all you need to hear is that like an offer. I love, I'm looking for this business and I love to do it. So glad you put that out there. What is number five, Brooke? Number five is speaking. And this one's a little bit different because most of the time it's free because it depends on what it is, right? So like right now I'm talking to you on the eBlog Talk podcast. So that's an example of speaking. And while 
I'm not being paid to be on here. You know, there's a, a boost in domain authority. There's a boost in networking and all these different things that come from being on a podcast, right? So you could be on a podcast. You could speak at a wellness retreat. If you're really knowledgeable, like Casey Marquis, for example, I'm sure he's spoken at Tastemaker Conference, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So there's different ways like that. And then, you know, the smaller ways are things like podcasts, radio. I've been interviewed on the radio and then going on your local TV network. I'm actually doing a TV segment tomorrow, sharing a recipe for the holidays. And that's not paid, but it's exposure and it's building my portfolio so that maybe down the line, there will be a paid opportunity for me to do a speaking event on something that I'm passionate and knowledgeable about. And don't discount this just because it's not paid because as Brooke mentioned, there are these non-tangible benefits that you can't even really put into words all the time that come along with these opportunities like the exposure you mentioned, the backlinks that you could get, the connections you can make that might pay off down the road. So I think this is one of those things where it's like, no, I'm not going to get paid, so I'm saying no. But then you're saying no to all of those kind of hidden little gems that can really help your business. Exactly. I'm sure this is from some famous person. I can't remember who it is, but I was always told it's not what you know, it's who you know. And Mm -hmm. speaking is one of those chances to add people in your who you know list so that more opportunities will come your way. Oh, well said. Okay. I love that one. What is number six? Number six is digital products. And I originally said eBooks, but I'm going to kind of branch out and say just digital products in general. This could be anything from a free downloadable guide or checklist on your blog to, you know, a small workbook or even an e-cookbook that, you know, is a compilation of exclusive recipes that you can offer to your audience on your blog, or maybe it's an opt-in offer for your email list. These are a great way to not only like make an easy dollar, but it also boosts your EAT because you're you know, diving more specific into a specific topic and it's establishing your authority in that thing. I can't remember her name, Megan, but maybe, yeah, maybe you remember. There was a blogger that came on and she is an expert in vegan cheese. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh my gosh. I was just going to mention Monica. I wrote a note down. I was like, you have to mention. So yes, Monica is a good friend of mine, Monica Davis. Her episode was number 326. And I was going to say, if you guys are interested in the digital products and ebook route, she is brilliant. So go listen to that. Yes. I remember listening to that episode and being like, yes, she gets it. Yes. Because, you know, she's really good with vegan cheese. And so she's got a whole bunch of, you know, free how-tos and recipes on her blog. But then she really wanted to offer something extra for her really dedicated, you know, her really dedicated, really loving followers. And so she created this digital product available for sale where they could really go in depth and learn so much more about vegan cheese than what she was offering on her blog. And it gave her a chance to connect with her audience and get some sales in there and then build that authority of saying, listen, I actually know what I'm talking about. And, you know, you can link to your products in your blog posts and just like interconnect it through all of these different channels and really make it a profitable option. Yes. If you do it well, ebooks can be very lucrative and really solve those pain points that your audience is having on a deeper degree than you can through your blog posts. So love that one as well. 
and go listen to Monica's episode. It is super inspiring. She just has this unique, amazing strategy that I've never had anyone talk me through the way she has. So if that's on your radar, go listen. Okay. What is your last point? Number seven. Number seven technically fits with the last one because it's a digital product, but it's specifically an online course. And I'm going to start off by saying that online courses aren't for everyone and you shouldn't create one just because you want some extra money. These take a lot of time and usually a third-party platform, whether it's a plugin to your WordPress site or just another third-party hosting service to make the back end all possible. But the bonus and the blessing of having a digital course is, again, it increases your authority in a certain topic. It gives your audience a chance to really dive deep into something that they want to learn about. And you can usually price these at a much higher price point. So if you, let's say you really, really love teaching and you feel like just writing a blog post about something doesn't really fill your cup for teaching, but you're really passionate about an aspect of your business, then a digital course might be for you. A good example is Tessa from Handle the Heat. She is a wizard when it comes to cookies and the science of baking. And so she has a live course that you can sign up for that you get to just be right alongside her and learn everything there is to know about cookies and then create your own recipes and walk away with this new amazing knowledge. Really, really love that one. Another example, Megan, I actually thought of you is if you do one-on-one coaching or group coaching and you want to expand that part of your business, but you don't have more time to do that, then creating a digital course that replaces that live one-on-one or group Mm. coaching is the solution to that so that you can, you know, pull your energy somewhere else, but still serve a ton of people in that same service. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the great thing about courses is that you can go so many different routes. You can do the live variety, like you mentioned. You can do pre-recorded that you put on Teachable. You can do like group coaching. There's so many ways to think around that and get creative with it. And we all like talking about our subjects that we're good at, good at our niches. We love talking about, um, like you mentioned, the baking and the science of baking. Not many people enjoy talking about that, but if you do, people want to learn and listen. So yeah, absolutely love this one. Anything else on courses? Yeah, I would just say if you're interested in courses, really sit down and figure out what you're passionate about. And if you could sit down and talk about it for 20 or 30 minutes without interruption or without prompts, then you probably have a really good idea of something you could do for a course. And obviously it's gonna, this one takes the most work. That's why it's number seven. So it's not something you could knock out in a month it'll probably be at least a six-month project, if not longer. But if you really are passionate about something and you feel like you could talk about it for 30 minutes straight, then maybe that's something you look into and it could really pay off. You could make a really nice amount of money by just doing all the work up front and then leaving it up for sale. I was just looking up episode I recorded with Kaylin Frankie. She does like courses that are really snapshot based. So like really um, short courses on a really specific topic. Hers happens to be baking, I think cookies. And she got a lot of awesome traction from that. So look up her podcast episode on eBlog Talk. I'll try to look it up here while you finish up 
Brooke, and then I'll get back to you. But what final words do you have to say about everything we've talked about, anything we missed, anything you want to be sure to mention? I would just kind of bring it back to the beginning of, you know, before you really sit down and figure out how to make the numbers happen, make sure that you have that framework of habits and qualitative measurement in place. Because when those numbers don't pan out the way you want to, whether you've been doing blogging for a month or 12 years, you know, then you can fall back on those framework ideas and say, okay, are my habits and my principles really the things that are creating a solid foundation? And do I need to revisit some of those? And then once you figure that out, then you can really look at these seven different ways and figure out which one's best for you. I don't recommend doing all seven all at once (laughs) because you'll spread yourself too thin and you'll probably feel really overwhelmed. But I've personally done all of these. I'm actually working on a digital course right now. So that's the only one I haven't actually launched yet. But I've personally done a little bit of all of these at different times in my business. And they all serve their purpose in a different way. And at the end of the day, for me, this is a business, right? We do want to make money. We do want to see the results that we work so hard for. But at the end of the day, I want to do what makes me passionate and makes me happy and makes me want to be a blogger. And I don't want to choose one of these seven strategies just for the money, right? If it doesn't fill my cup, if it drains me more than it invigorates me, then to me, that's not worth the money. So really take some time to be introspective and figure out what aligns best with your needs and your creative cup. And that's when you'll really see the magic happen. Brooke, that was amazing. Oh my goodness. Loved that. That was so encouraging and inspiring. Thank you for that. And I did go back and find that cookie class that I was talking about. So if you guys want to be inspired to do kind of a different format for a cooking class, go to intothecookiejar.com. It's Kaylin's blog. And she has a section on there called Decorating Classes. If you click over, you'll see all of the little tutorials and classes that she's created that are just amazing. And she does like difficulty levels. So if you're just beginner through expert, and then she themes them too by holiday. So I think these are really fruitful for her and successful. So just a little encouragement there to kind of extend on your seventh point. Brooke. So thank you. This was so fun. So valuable. Thank you for taking the time for us today. It was so fun to be here. Thanks for having me. To end, do you have either a favorite quote or words of inspiration to leave us with today? I do. I'm going to quote my BAM teacher in high school. He always drilled into our heads. Here, Megan, I'm going to see if you can fill in the line. Practice makes... Perfect. Okay. So he changed that word to be practice makes permanent. Ah. And I really love that because perfection is never something that any of us are going to have right, no matter how hard we try. So instead of shooting for perfection, recognizing that the more we practice something, the more permanent Mm -hmm. it will be ingrained, kind of like the idea of muscle memory, right? The more you practice keyword research, the better you'll get at keyword research and the faster you'll be so that you can then shift your time and energy to something else. So if you're ever feeling discouraged or like what you're doing isn't working, Maybe dial it back and simplify your business into two or three things and then just say practice makes permanent and just try and get really good at those couple things and build that muscle memory so that you can build your confidence back and be able to move the needle forward in your business in a way that 
works best for you. Amazing words to end on. Thank you so much. And did you say it was one of your teachers that shared that with you? Yeah, it was my band teacher. Band teacher. Thank you, Brooke's band teacher. That was so inspiring. (laughs) We'll put together a show notes page for you, Brooke. If you want to go look at those, you can go to eblogtalk.com forward slash kapai cooking. And I'm going to spell that because I had to have Brooke tell me how to pronounce it. It's (laughs) K-A-P-A-I cooking. And I will you describe really quick what that means and where it comes from? Because I think this is so cool. Yeah. So I served a volunteer mission for my church when I was 19. And I got to do that missionary service in New Zealand. So I got to live with the natives there and really just dive headfirst into their culture and their food and everything that makes them so special. And part of that was learning their language. So kapai comes from the Maori language and translated in English, it means it's good. So my brand literally means it's good cooking. So cool. I love that. I think more than any blog meaning I've ever heard. So glad you shared that with me. (laughs) So why don't you, with that said, why don't you share where people can go to see your content and where are you on social media and all of that? Yeah. So you can follow me on all social channels at Kapai Cooking. That's K-A-P-A-I Cooking. I'm currently on a social media break, (laughs) but you can still follow me there because I'll eventually resurface one day. But if you really want to stay in touch with me right now and be up to date on all of my recipes and all of the fun things I'm doing, then you can subscribe to my mailing list at kapaicooking.com. Awesome. Go check Brooke out, everyone. Thank you so much for being here again, Brooke. And thank you for listening today, food bloggers. I will see you in the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Eat Blog Talk. Please share this episode with a friend who would benefit from tuning in. I will see you next time.